Welcome to Disruption Dialogues Podcast Season 2. Listen to the influential leaders and trailblazers from around the world as they share invaluable insights to navigating the fifth industrial revolution. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Disruption Dialogues Season 2. I'm Shweta Surinder, Vice President and Head of Automotive at Markets and Markets. Today, I'm in conversation with Ismail Amla, the Executive Vice President for Professional Services and Strategy at the NCR Corporation. Now, Ismail is a very highly experienced senior exec with more than 20 years in high-tech and business services. He currently serves as the exec vice president responsible for strategic direction and execution of NCR's global professional service business. Prior to his role at NCR, Ismail served as the chief growth officer for CAPTA, as the managing partner for IBM's global business services in North America, the CEO for Capco North America, and as a senior partner for Accenture, um, where he was also a member of the Accenture UK leadership team. Now, Ismail is also a non-exec board member for Network Real and UK Sports, as well as the author of a book, From Incremental to Exponential, How Large Companies Can See the Future and Rethink Innovation. Um, so thank you so much for joining us today, Ismail. It's a pleasure to have you here is disruption in retail, hospitality, and e-commerce. Now, your work experience certainly cuts across a range of different industries, a range of different, ex- gives you a world of experience in this regard. We'd love to pick your brains in um, how we can see the industry evolving here. Uh, the first question I'd like to throw at you is, what's your view in how businesses and retail and hospitality in industry today leverage innovation and diversity to really enhance the customer experience? What are the shifts that we're seeing in this direction? Yeah, thanks for having me. And and I think a lot of what's happening in retail hospitality are also happening in a lot of the other sectors. And if you think about customer experience, the key trends for 2023 that you would talk about would be meeting your consumer, your shopper, your restaurant goer, where they are, where they want to be. So this rise of this digital, physical and digital combined um, scenario. So one thing is meeting your customers where they are. Secondly, is a single real-time view of inventory. And inventory could be different, of course, whether you're talking about the retail sector or the hospitality sector. And the third thing, which is probably the most important thing and prevailing across all industries we're seeing, whether it's B2B or B2C, is this idea of hyper-personalization. So, um, you know, the, 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 the technology and innovation to get access to real-time data is going to be critical in terms of how retailers and how hospitality organizations react. And this almost a cultural DNA reset to focus on personalization, personalization, personalization is going to be really critical. And then the first thing I mentioned, which is you've got to meet the customers where they are. To meet the customers where they are, you really need to understand the customers authentically. Uh, And uh, diversity is going to be a critical point to be able to treat each customer as a very, very uh, individual transaction. It's... um... I love the perspective you've given and, you know, you've really, really underpinned that emphasis on um, how we need to personalize the experience for the customer and how important technology is going to be in this regard. Um, Maybe we can probe more in this direction. So in terms of technology specifically, 
what type of technology do you see coming to the forefront here to you know enable this new customer experience particularly i would say focused on retail and e-commerce yeah and i think i think right now there is such um, a technology uh, inputs it's so heavy that our customers really we, as we talk to them initially just want help in understanding what the question is what are they, what are they trying to address right uh, and if you take the the, the the big changes driven by technology and then put in everything going on with the global markets um, and the economic macro trends and then the war going on in Ukraine, what that means for supply chain. If you're a retailer or somebody in the restaurant sector, then you have got a huge amount of issues to consider and you're looking for the things that are going to give you big returns either from cost or a growth perspective and technology clearly, clearly plays a big part. Um, I think uh, I would, I mean, there's a lot you can talk about. You can talk about process automation. You can talk about artificial intelligence. You can talk about data and advanced analytics. You can talk about omni-channels or new channels to get to your clients. Um, I think in the interest of time, if I just focus in on AI, right, as a technology that everybody's talking about, um, multiple uses. So if you think about um, if you're a restaurant, the fact that you have a missed phone call has a profound uh, view on your business because you know there's some data which said 80 to 90 percent of customers will move on and go to another restaurant. I'm certainly one of those who would not call a restaurant twice, but that's where technology can help avoid customer a very something very simple as avoiding customer missed customer calls. So you know some of the AI uh, phone answering technology and it's been around for some time. I remember reading about it three or four years ago in New York where you can actually have a conversation with an AI piece of technology to make a booking, right? So the answering technology can take messages, make reservations, add somebody to the wait list, even answer commonly answered questions like, um, can I bring my dog on the patio? Or, you know, is our patio, you know, is it gonna be dog friendly or so on? So I think that's important. I think voice ordering is another bit of technology that's gonna be increasingly important, driven by the trend that people like you and me are doing voice searches more than text searches on our on our smartphones. So yep. that is some a trend yep. that's you know going over to um, virtual assistants who allow you to find the restaurant and then use your voice to make your orders. Maybe do self have all sorts of self service options that you may have. Um, and then if you look at the back end of a retailer or or a um, restaurant owner. The idea that you can do use technology to really predict what the demand is going to be. And as a result of having high confidence in the demand, you can really get really smart around staffing and scheduling, or you can get really smart around just-in-time inventory management and purchasing. All of those have such huge impacts on the cost line or the revenue lines of some of these businesses. And great examples of technology, I think, in these sectors. No, it's the examples that you gave are bang on. Um, what I found particularly interesting was the example that you got into about AI. I know generative AI is really having a moment in the media today, and we're seeing applications mm-hmm. in every industry. Um, over and above what you discussed, are there any other key applications that you would see of the next gen generative AI coming through, whether it's in retail, e-commerce, or hospitality? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, great question. And, and of course, if we think about generative AI in its simplest sense, it's the ability to create content 
in response to a human prompt, which yeah. suddenly, if you think about it in those terms, it's, it's so huge in terms of what it could do. So, and I think there's lots of uh, examples across industries, again, like this, but I would say, if you're thinking about, particularly about um, the retail industry, let me start with personalization again, right? So you could use generative AI and human uh, driven prompts to create highly personalized content and recommendations for individual customers. Mm -hmm. uh, and of course this enhances customer experience, loyalty, leads to higher sales. Um, you could use generative AI in retail to basically provide a 24 seven customer service. So, um, you know, if, if you think about chatbots that we've all got very comfortable with, an AI-powered chatbot can respond to customer queries in real time, try to resolve issues, provide information, which is not pre-programmed in terms of prescriptive, in terms of what questions are people, people going to ask. It responds to whatever questions people are going to ask. And then if you think about um, how businesses run, whether it's a restaurant or whether it's a retailer, um, there's lots of opportunities where generative AI can automate various tasks, such as content creation, customer service, inventory management, of course, lots of opportunities to reduce or change labor costs. And then even in terms of um, product development, uh, generative AI can provide new product designs, pick up the market trends that are going on, pick up the customer preferences based on what the customers are asking for, and, and be a contributor to the innovation that we are talking about, which is quite interesting, isn't it? Because we are talking about having diversity in our innovation process, but that diversity now includes machine and generative AI to help us in our innovative process. Indeed. Um, and I think this brings me to the next question that I had. You painted a very nice picture about, you know, how AI can really um, take the experience to the next level and make the entire industry function a lot more effectively. So I think my question is really, all these technologies are quite complex, but how are we seeing industry players actually make this technology accessible to customers to ensure that seamless experience that they find? Yeah, and, and I think there's some, there's some great examples. If you think about, uh, I saw a um, couple of weeks ago an announcement from IBM and Salesforce who are collaborating to accelerate the adoption of AI for Salesforce CRM platform. And I think that is actually what we're going to see. And maybe even um, collaborations or networks coming together between different technology providers and the customer sector who are going to come together to basically create use cases of how do we best uh, increase the adoption. I think the one thing that I would caution, though, um, is that while AI has the potential to achieve huge benefits that we've talked about, customer engagement, customer service, efficient business processing, reducing customer costs. I think we need to be, users need to be mindful of the risks of using generative AI, um, mm -hmm. because we don't, it's, it's so nascent in its usage that we don't really know what we don't know. So, you know, there's security concerns, there's data and IP implications, so, you know, who owns the IP if Salesforce and, and IBM and a customer are going to create all this um, material out of generative AI? I'm sure they've worked it out. But, you know, generally, if you're creating a generative AI model, are you going to let your competitors 
use the output of your model to build on their model. So, you know, IP is one thing I think we've pretty much got to work through. There's ethical considerations we've talked about, depending on who builds the model, who trains the AI, the ethics of that person are really going to be built into the AI. And the potential for reputational damage if issues arise. So, you know, you've got 24-7 service of a chatbot driven by a generative AI, which, uh, you know, gives you data or gives the consumer information that is going to be reputationally damaging. And, you know, mm. it goes on for six hours overnight, you know. So there's, I think there's a um, lot of things still to be fixed. But I think there's lots of great examples now coming across of wider adoption of AI and generative AI in this sector. Absolutely. Now, um, I'd love to learn a little more about, you know, NCR specifically. So how's the NCR platform help businesses really in these industries? You know, how are you working around their technology challenges? How are you helping them enhance operations? Yeah. So um, one of the things that we find from our customers is back to the point of um, there is so much complexity uh, it, that A, I need help in breaking through all of that and focusing on what technology will give me the biggest return. And then the second issue that our customers have is they are, a lot of them are in this um, legacy world um, where they are trying to justify a transformation um, which is very difficult to do when, you know, as you know, some of these sectors are single digit margin sectors. It's very difficult to do big capital projects there. And, and what we what we have been working on for a number of time, a number of years with our customers with huge investment is to build the, the platform uh, in uh, across actually the commerce sector, across hospitality and retail. And don't forget, we have 75 percent of the top 500 retailers in the world using our technology. So. You know, we, we have some permission to be an industry platform and the platform is um, something that you would expect where our customers can migrate onto. As a result of migrating onto the platform, they have access to all of the data that is the foundation for all of the AI and ML that we've just talked about. Not only do they have that, but they, because it's a platform with open APIs, they can hook into some of the best in class technologies that they are used to or they want to use. and they can focus in on what we think is the most important thing going on right now, which is hyper-personalization and customer experience. Um, because the, the platform allows you to have data at such a detailed level, it's at the SKU level, right? So, the, and that data can uh, allow our customers to provide hyper-personalization to their customers, the end consumer, but also make to their customers offerings available that they, they might themselves not, might not be providing, but they have the data to make that available. So for example, a retailer might know their customers so well based on the data that they get from our platform that they know that this customer has three kids aged six, eight, and 10. They buy a school uniform every mm -hmm. August and the, the size of the school uniform is gonna be X, Y, and Z. They also know that this person earns this much money, spends this much money per week, because they've got all of this data. And using that data with the consent of, the, of course, of the consumer, you can make all sorts of offers available. You know, you can make offers available from the manufacturers of the school uniform. You can make offers available from financial services organizations who want to provide all sorts of loan offerings. Uh, you can 
anonymize all of that data and make offers available to your supply chain to say, look, I'm going to scale, sell, I'm going to sell school uniforms of this volume on this date, um, so your supply chain can get better with the demand. So there, there is so much that can be done once you get access to the data and the platforms that NCR have been investing in um, for the last number of years with the help of our customers has really been around getting access to the data, to gain access to modern technologies, and through API, really getting access to the network economy. That's very interesting because I can really see, as you said, the applicability and the usefulness of this kind of insight and how it can take your operations to the next level, really. Um, yeah. The last question that I have for you is, um, do you have any insights or best practices that you've come across about how companies can really undergo a successful digital transformation, particularly, you know, in trying to respond to new behaviours and expectations that's coming from the consumer side? Yeah, and the book that you mentioned early on, uh, I wrote a book with a couple of friends of mine, one of them uh, a lecturer at Harvard and other universities. And we did a, a lot of research actually on what constitutes a successful environment for driving this sort of change, for you know, implementing this sort of change. And of course, huge examples from some of the leaders in this space, like Facebook and Amazon and Apple and so on. But the core of what we came to, I mean, there was a few things that we came to, but the core is um, this idea that you need to have a cultural change to drive this sort of change, internal cultural change. And, and, the, and the cultural change should be that we're gonna make decisions faster, we're gonna have smaller teams, we're gonna have empowered teams. You know, it, it's, it's a whole host of things that come together. Um, and, and what I find quite interesting right now is, you know, even three years ago, five years ago, you could have talked about big legacy organizations and said, you know, these organizations are so slow, they are, by virtue of them being big, they are bound to fail in terms of innovation and some of the new things that they have to do. But I think actually, as you look at some of these larger organizations today, and you could count you know, Apple and Facebook and Amazon on large organizations, but also some of the more older ones like Walmart as large organizations, they're at the forefront of you know, uh, creating new businesses, uh, reacting to market demands. Walmart, for example, have responded fantastically to the Amazon threat and you know is competing with them not in a way that I think many of us predicted. They're also making huge inroads into other industries such as financial services, um, doing things that nobody ever imagined. If you look at what Ford are doing about electric cars and how fast they're moving and how they're partnering with other organizations, GM doing the same. I think there's a lot of lessons that have been learned from smaller organizations that have been implemented in larger organizations around decision making, setting up smaller teams, empowering those teams, um, you know, the whole idea of the culture which allows you to innovate, allows you to take risks and so on. Uh, and all of these things, I think it's a combination of things that come, come together to be able to drive technological driven change in, in our customers. Thank you, Ismail. That was in indeed a very, very interesting discussion. And thank you so much, everyone, for listening in. Um, I was in conversation with Ismail Amla, the Exec Vice President of Professional Services at NCR Corporation. And once again, thank you, Ismail. Thank you for having me. Stay tuned for another interesting episode in Disruption Dialogues.
Thank you. Thanks for tuning in. If you want to know how you can navigate and thrive in this disruptive era, subscribe to Disruption Dialogues on your go-to podcast channels and stay tuned for more interesting episodes.